Hello everyone and welcome to a brand new shiny podcast episode from here today. I'm Charlie and with me is Amanda. Hello Charlie. Hello Amanda. (laughs) And Morton's not with us but we hope he'll be back next month unless we've scared him away for good. So it's not been the most exciting month for gigs uh, overall has it Amanda? Well it's certainly better than January is so we've sort of come out of the abyss that is the midwinter... slump of her shows in Copenhagen um, and we've been to a few good things we had that very nice evening with the residents um, oh magical evening with the residents early in February 1st um, listening to them talking about their work at the main library in Copenhagen and then seeing them at uh, at uh, Amabio yes so let's let's it was quite strange to see them in a library not, not. I'm not assuming that they're, they're all illiterate, but more, it was just strange to see them in that setting. I th- well, you know, the out-of-context costumes in a library, that's always going to throw you. Though I think there are probably a fair few uh, photos of them in the eyeball suits mm. in libraries, or posed in libraries, I should say. Yeah. As opposed to giving talks or performances. Yes, and... Uh, Again, I, I continued the uh, conspiracy theory that um, their spokesman is indeed their lead singer. I continue to mm. contend this, while also contending that it doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, anyway, they, they played, uh, after this talk, they played at uh, Amar Bio, and this was your, your first time at Amar Bio, and certainly not my first time. <laughs> and uh, I don't know why I'd managed to avoid it for so long, but I had... Well, it, it's quite an appropriate place. It's it's quite a strange um, venue. It's it's all. It always looks empty, no matter how full it is. To be honest, <laughs> that's true. But it's got it's all this wood paneling looks very uh, Twin Peaksy. Yeah. God. It was good. <laughs> You're the one who reviewed it. I did review it. I um I enjoyed it. I think it's um I unfortunately arrived uh, a little bit late, but uh, so I missed the uh, the absolute beginning of it. But it was quite. I think I almost enjoyed that because I was pushed immediately into this weirdness mm. as soon as I entered the door, which is quite nice. So I didn't have to go through that weird like initial stage of like having to believe that these weirdos are indeed sort of 
<laughs> alien freaks on stage and not just dudes wearing masks. It help, helps if they're already like in full <laughs> swing when you arrive. And they were in full swing. Yeah. And I think you do also get a bit of you get a bit acclimated to it when you've been sitting in a library mm. watching them just kind of like this is me with my candelabra. It was lovely to see them sort of just looming over yes. the the interviewer and, and their <laughs> spokesman. You know, casually, every now and then, with some little little reactions and little micro movements, to, mm. <laughs> to just comment <laughs> wordlessly. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then after that, uh, I've had a sadly, yes, quite um, low amount of gigs this month. But you, uh, Amanda, went to see Steve O'Malley and uh, Arnold Dreibler. Yeah, that was um, that was quite an interesting lineup. It was a very curious pairing. It was. Um, yeah, it was Stephen O'Malley, um, who plays guitar and Sun, and uh, paired with uh, Randall Dunn, who's done quite a lot of production work for Sun. And they were do they had their, a new series of compositions that they were working on that they've been working on since they've been in Copenhagen, which is a couple of weeks now. They actually also gave a talk. Um, yeah. I think the same day as the residents talk, but it was in the middle of the day, and I couldn't get to it in time. Um. But it was, you know, sort of a, a in many ways, a, a toned down and less severe version of what Sun does, that it was that same mm. droning effect, but without the extreme low frequencies, so that you could actually distinguish, this is a guitar, this is a keyboard. Um, no brown notes. <laughs> well, a, li- a little bit from, they, they did have a Korg that uh, at mm. one point it was like, okay, a little bit of bass now, thud, 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 but otherwise... It's um. It was, I think, you know, just a, a much less intense and a much less aggressive approach to music that they already work with, and that would you'd be more familiar with um, if you, you know, were a fan of Sun. So. And so they'd come here, and they'd they'd made field recordings that's, around um, the area. I understand. That's how, what they were saying they were going to do, but in classic style, like they said nothing about. What, that's probably what they talked about at the talk. I couldn't mm. go to because <laughs> they said nothing about it at the actual show. It was mm. just you know their standard: show up, play the set, walk off, done. <laughs> oh, no, no uh, little. Yeah crazy anecdotes between songs perhaps i mean perhaps um people got more out of them afterward because i did see Stephen o'malley posing for selfies with fans so oh. which was quite endearing um <laughs> i can't imagine he, he wasn't wearing his full-on monk no just in like your standard button-down plaid shirt <laughs> so oh. it's uh yeah much more approachable in general and it was it was a very amusing show though in the sense that there were so many people there who had sun t-shirts on that you knew that's why they were there and then they sort of some people left after the first set but then you also got a new crowd of people who came in later who were obviously there to see Arnold Dreblatt who's himself um older I think originally from New York but's lived in Berlin for like 30 years now um avant-garde minimalist which (laughs) yes and um well, sort of Steve Reich, sort of glass kind of way? Or? Um, a little bit. He only played one song that was really properly minimalist before being um, joined by his band, which was really like 15 minutes of him playing harmonics on an upright bass. Okay. Which was so, like, bizarrely catchy. It's really hard to describe. It's just like, I was not expecting this to be, like, so up-tempo, and because... 
Oh. Harmonics played on an upright bass. It does not sound like it should be up-tempo, and it really was. Um, and, yeah, I mean, it was part of the, uh, the Vintage Jazz uh, series that Jazz House was doing, but um, it really was more, maybe it was just because it was in such sharp contrast to the first set, it like really had like a very pop music kind of approach. It's like you could have brought in any sort of, you know, pop or rock singer and had them sing something over it. Mm. Aside from the fact that the average song was 10 minutes long <laughs> in these sets, but it was, you know, not really very abstract at all. It mm. was very accessible. Um, and yeah, it was it was a curious amount of fun. I really like, that was not what I was expecting out of the rest of the, I knew what to expect from yeah. Stephen O'Malley and, uh, and uh, Randall Dunn. I was not prepared for the second half of it. <laughs> Yeah, those were the gigs we managed to catch up with this month. But uh, we've got some uh, interesting ones coming up in March. Things are starting to uh, speed up a little bit. Yes, getting out of that wasteland, as earlier mentioned. Um, I'm quite excited about uh, this coming beginning of March. Uh, KXP are going to be at Lopin. So tell us about KXP, because I'm, I wasn't aware of them or that aware of them until you started talking about them. Yeah, they're, um, they're a Finnish uh, electronica band. They, they've got kind of that, um, that Krautrock influence mm. that so many... <laughs> I can imagine. That was the first thing that came to mind when I heard Finnish for some reason. Is it very... Is it very cold and, and mechanical? Or? No, mechanical, yes, but I wouldn't say cold, no. talk myself into a circle here but I was just by the way shout out to the Finns sorry for <laughs> calling you cold there well they are very far north anyway um but no I, I'd say that they've kind of they're on that same plane as you know more of the very like broad sweeping um rock influenced uh, electronica bands that you mm. that there have been more of in recent years and thinking like particularly at um fuck buttons for example ah they're good old of, fuck buttons yeah not quite as um not quite as left field as fuck buttons because mm. they come up with some strange like where did that sound come from like ideas but that same sort of like sprawling slowly developing kind of tracks that you know kind of but that still somehow hold a very consistent theme from beginning to end even though you'd have to dig down pretty deep to find it you know that kind yeah of red. um uh, yeah i'm excited they don't they don't tour very much so it's uh so it's uh it's a big deal it's a big deal it's definitely worth 
the effort of going to track them down because God knows the next time you'll have a chance. <laughs> if you'll have another chance. I was actually surprised to learn they were even still together. So. <laughs> oh, okay. It's one of those bands. It, one of those... Yeah, they surface every so often and it's like, oh, hey, wait a minute. <laughs> so. Yeah. So uh, when is that, by the way? That is uh, March uh, 5th. March the 5th at, at Lopin. Uh, at Lopin. Yeah, Lopin is actually a good... Uh, it's got some interesting thungs. Thungs? Yes. <laughs> Thangs. Tings. It's got some good um, acts coming up early in the month. So we have Sister Nancy playing on the 6th of March. Again, surprise. I had no idea she was still around playing, but um, of course we all know her for that one song, the Bam Bam song. <laughs> uh, most recently featured on the... Um, oh, is that the opening track, I believe, of, or second track of the of Kanye's Life of Pablo? I have to it's admit, I've good. not heard Kanye's Life of Pablo. Oh my god! <laughs> Tell me, Charlie, what do you think of Kanye's Life of Pablo? <laughs> That's amazing! That's really good. Um, it's quite funny. I mean, I feel like all his... There's always a weird set of reactions to Kanye things, and I think they're really clearly divide they're really divided into sort of cultural and so and sort of spheres so the mainstream one is oh it's ridiculous it's not coming out in um you know it hasn't come out in a physical format people are sort of criticizing it for for its sort of unfinished quality for only being available on title and i think generally criticizing it just for being associated it associated with uh, Kanye anyway mm. who's always been a controversial figure however I think anyone anyone who is into hip hop generally respects has a lot of respect for Kanye mm. and a lot of respect for his work mm. and a lot of enthusiasm for it and I think it is a really interesting album okay. yes it I mean it does sound unfinished but I mean that's the I think that's one of the main points that's one of his main sort of aesthetic um, choices over the last few years like with Yeezus, to have this sort of very abrasive, minimalist, and really in aggressively in your face in terms of the things he says can go from being quite serious social commentary to being very obviously abrasive um, trolling, basically. I mean, the comment about uh, feeling that him and Taylor might still have sex is so obviously there to piss people off that it's quite hard to be annoyed and take it seriously it's just obviously there mm. to as, as a sort of way to i think filter out you know i think what he's doing and you can you can sort of decide whether it's a good idea or not but i think what he's trying to do is i think he's on a mission to filter out the haters He's always on a mission to filter out the haters, and so he does this by making some very bold decisions. For example, you know, if you have a problem with him in terms of Taylor Swift, then he's going to immediately alienate you with this line. And so, and, and you know, then you stop listening and you've missed out on a great, on the rest of a really great track. And, and you know, you're the loser if, if that's what you do, right? Because uh, it is really good. The sun is in my eyes. Woke up and felt the vibe No matter how hard they try We never gonna die I just wanted you to know
and there's uh, there's moments of like fantastically funny self-awareness. There's a track called I Love Kanye, which is a spoken word track where, you know, he, he, take, he takes the point of view of the person, you know, saying, oh, I love, I love the old Kanye and sort of twists it. And, and also there's right in the middle of it, there's a comment of where he says, what if Kanye made a song about the old Kanye and called it I Love Kanye? Damn, that would be so Kanye. He knows exactly what he's doing. I mean, he is... You then might he think he's a jackass, but he knows he's a jackass. He's a self-aware one, and he's a fucking genius. Well, thank you for telling me that, though, because that was enjoyable, but now I don't have to listen to it because I already got the joke. It's a bit like Arrested Development. I've never seen Arrested Development, but Again, I can already... you're missing out. You're, you're, I'm you're not denying missing... I'm not missing out because I can already fucking quote that show beginning to end because I've had people quoting that fucking show to me beginning to end for ten years. I never need to see it. You do. You do. Trust me. You, you're denying yourselves, yourself great experiences. <laughs> no, I don't think so because you know what? An analropist is never going to be funny to me now because I've been told about it repeatedly for 10 years. It's okay, there are plenty of other ones that no one ever quotes. Mm. It's, it's dense. Um, no, but again, funnily enough though, I think your comment does kind of make sense because there, there is this weird like conceptual side to him which I think would almost endorse that position of like, yeah, it's, it's about the idea it's about sort of expressing this thing and whether whether it's someone telling you about it or you listening to it it's it's quite similar but uh outside of that it's still got some great sort of uh great samples this sort of gospel thing gospel samples and sort of air to it undercut by this slightly more abrasive side to it anyway it is definitely worth listening to. Fuck the haters. <laughs> and you know, mm. Kanye is great. I was, li I was. Have you seen the? Um, I'm sorry to um, sort of twist this into another weird direction, but have you seen the new Spike, uh, Spike Lee, uh, documentary about Michael Jackson? I haven't even heard there was a Spike Lee it's, documentary. It's about really Michael good. Jackson. It's called From Motown to Off the Wall. I. That sounds like, I think if there was anybody I would want to make a documentary about Michael Jackson, it would be Spike Lee. Mm. And it's made, uh, it's, I mean, it's a very, um, how can I put it? Like the, it takes a very direct line through it. And it is mm -hmm. that he's going to look at Michael Jackson through the music. Mm -hmm. And, you know, because most of the time it centers around the family issues and around his own, like, strange persona and how it, and you know his own public life which is very which I think for someone of my generation I I came up with I sort of grew up with that story of Michael Jackson or Michael Jackson as the weirdo Michael Jackson as the guy who dangles the baby mm. out of a hotel window I didn't have I didn't necessarily have access to Michael Jackson the actual like amazingly talented Hmm. I was Person. I sort of had that shift between Michael Jackson the musician you know in the 80s and then Michael Jackson well actually for me and someone of my generation the bigger issue would have been Michael Jackson's child molester mm. that was definitely a, that yes, point yes that was of, a big part of it as well yeah and uh, I sort of 
I mean, and I, I have, I can very easily forgive like the other weirdness that cause something obviously snapped in there at some mm. point. But um, I, I do think, I mean, something that sort of troubled me was that when everybody, you know, when he died and everybody was suddenly like, wow, we all forgot what a great musician he was because we were all so fixated on the weird things he did. It's like, do we, have we all forgotten, forgotten why we first started fixating on the weird things? Mm. Like, so well, it's... but I think the weird things started before, I think they started before any of the child molestation sort of accusations came. And it's very, com- it's it's a really weird and confusing thing to get into. I can see why oh, Spike yeah. Lee just abandoned it because oh, yeah. then you have all the retractions. You have all the yeah. Most like a couple of them, if I remember correctly, sort of later came out that their parents had had sort of forced them to say something that yeah. wasn't true. I don't know. Like it's very confusing. Mm-hmm. But you know, on the other hand, I think you know Spike Lee sort of doesn't talk about that mm-hmm. but I think because there's, there's something more yeah. deep going on because he interview the people he interviews are also mm-hmm. very interesting I think I think it's LeBron James honestly I'm sorry guys I don't know anything about basketball so when I see a basketball player I'm like oh well he's I'm assuming he's one of the like two or three I've heard of LeBron is yeah probably the most famous basketball player in America right now yeah so. Well, I th- and so you have him talking yeah. about what it meant to have, to sort of yeah. see Michael at that time. And so it's also his, his centrality in the sort of 70s, for example, and, and 80s mm. in terms of sort of being not necessarily a role model, but, you know, uh, again, an aspirational yeah. figure. Yeah, I mean, he definitely... you. I mean, you have to look at somebody like Michael Jackson and say that he never stood a chance of having a normal life or no. having, like, any kind of sanity or, you know, mental stability because you can't, you know, he was put into the spotlight at an age where he could not make decisions about it and sort of forced to keep going at a point where he could not make decisions about it. And I don't even know that, you know, the O2 run of 50 dates he was preparing for were necessarily even his decision because mm. you don't just walk into something like that. And, I mean, yeah. you know, any artist I can think of who, you know, especially with all these reunion shows that you've seen, and of course, if we're talking bands that were significantly less famous than Michael Jackson, but even bands that were properly famous in their heyday that have been doing reunion shows, even they say, you know, you don't just walk onto stage at Glastonbury. You don't just walk, you yeah. know, onto stage at Wembley Stadium. You, you know, show up and have, like, the secret show at the club a couple days, you know, a couple days, a couple weeks before. You do the mini club tour beforehand so that you get all the bugs worked out. But it's, mm. you know, whoever thought, like... And maybe he would have had something like that planned, but... It's like, really, he wasn't selling shows in a smaller market somewhere in Eastern Europe first, just to make sure it was okay, just to make, because, I mean, people were already making Mm. jokes about, uh, people were already making jokes about how he wouldn't make it through the 50 shows, he never even got there. But the thing, well, but then again, if you're watching the documentary again, one of the things that does come across is like, no matter where it comes from, and I'm, I'm... definitely agree that it will have sort of originated with yeah. his family but mm. that he 
at least what at some point was an incredibly driven person yeah like an absolute perfectionist oh yeah and again i i don't know why i came to this but i started sort of thinking what would have happened if if michael jackson ran now and he had twitter would he have just been kanye again yeah I was saying again I imagine what like a person like Michael Jackson had they access to Twitter whether they whether he would have gone sort of the way of Kanye much earlier in his career if if he'd mm. had access to that well I mean he had access to access to it at the end of his like because it yeah. had already been around for a couple of years but I do think though that he was already regarded as a weirdo by that that's point, true though, but I, I think whoever his handlers were would have kept him off Twitter. Mm. <laughs> um, he also, I mean, he was so selective in the interviews that he did and he did so few interviews and probably in part because of that. Um, I don't think it was necessarily just, uh, you know, f I mean, some of it had to have been, you know, just publicity fatigue. And, you know, there was a point in time like, in the mid late nineties when Michael Jackson was the most photographed person in the world. Mm. Um, so, and I remember him doing interviews after the birth of his first child saying, you know, like I did, you know, the photo shoot with this magazine so that they would pay me so that the paparazzi getting pictures wouldn't be worth as much so that I could just, you know, I would get paid and I could give that money to charity and everybody gets to see the pictures because that's what everybody wants. And, you know, there was, I think that was probably like the last shreds of his sanity there. Yeah. Um, but he did, you know, so few interviews, like as time went on, that it, part of it had to be just, you know, he's too much of a loose cannon and we can't predict what he's going to say and we can't have control over the tapes, over the interviews, over what have you. So the best way to regulate it is just not to do the interviews. Yeah. Um, it's it's a uh, you know very com complicated weird sort of area of life mm. Twitter, but you you sort of wonder because I think every now and then someone makes a um, a connection between uh, between Kanye and <laughs> and Donald Trump you know and this sort of weird just says shit yeah but I think Kanye West does know to an extent that he's being funny or that he is funny yeah. and I think there are times when he's intentionally trying to be funny and the problem is Donald Trump is never trying to be funny now here's a question though for you do you think let's let's only count in America but let's not let's for ex ignore the rest of the world because I think that, that would skew things a lot but that's also in America, America likes to yeah think, well so. exactly you think in America who is more popular Donald Trump or Kanye West right now I would probably say Donald Trump. Exactly. That's what. That's what because I think Donald as well. Trump hasn't come for Taylor Swift. So, <laughs> Taylor, 
Taylor Swift is obviously more popular than either of them. Clearly, clearly. Um, what did you think? Uh, what did you think about her uh, Grammy speech? Um, you know, I thought it was. I mean, it was kind of interesting to see it when she was surrounded by a bunch of men on stage. I, of course, you know, I mean, I'm very much a deeds, not words kind of girl. Mm. So that's where I, you know, that's where I start with it. However, I will also quantify that by saying that, you know, it's not too long ago that we had major, um, you know, major pop stars, female pop stars, starting sentences with, I'm not a feminist, but. Yes. So I think it's already a huge step forward to have major figures talking about feminism as a totally normal thing that everybody should be on board with that you shouldn't even have to think twice about it because it is the equality of the genders so that that's a good place to start um however it would be great if that meant that she brought in female producers or at least more female musicians or you know Mm. and i mean and i don't know what her strategy is there I mean, I also think that her donating a bunch of money to Kesha was a, you know, that's a deeds not word, yeah, it's kind of thing. That and also it's acknowledging that hey, some you know a lot of the artists who are speaking out in favor of Kesha or showing their support in subtle ways, it's some of them are contractually in positions where they can't be more direct, and I Mm. suspect that that might have something to do with it. That she might be in a position where she can't be making speeches about these things. Um, oh okay. Uh, because I know that is the case for some people that you never know. Like, because she's a Sony artist, isn't she? Taylor Swift. Uh, I'm afraid I don't know. And I could look that one up, but uh, anyway, you could also just cut this bit out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, so um, you know, so I, I think it's a good, it's a good starting place. I think mm. it's a very good starting place. But if in a year you're still telling me that you know you're still making speeches about how women are just as strong a force and we need to be treating them as such a strong force, then I want to see some women up on stage with you. Hey, hey, hey! Just think, while you've been getting down and out about the liars and the dirty, dirty cheats of the world, you could have been getting down to this sick beat. My ex-man brought his new girlfriend. She's like, oh my god, but I'm just gonna shake into the fella over there with the hella good hair. Won't you come on over, baby? We can shake. Shake, shake. Yeah. I want. You sometimes wonder who's on Kanye's team, though. It would be, yeah. Um, I I sort of suspect it would be like the Stalinist purges that it would just be like this rolling group of this is my current team. All right, you are all gone now, and this mm. is my new team. And you know, he he seems like. If he's weeding out the haters within within his own listeners, what must he do to his? Oh, I see. Yeah, I hadn't really thought of it in that in that as a sort of weird Stalinist thing. I suppose there is. I mean, there's definitely some sort of control thing there. But then again, he's also someone who does. But he has control, but he's also very big on collaboration he as is. well. But I think he's also the kind of person who, again, he could not operate his own solo career as he does without exercising an amazing amount of control he could not produce the quantity of work that he does and i think that's also you know i think hip-hop is also just inherently a much more collaborative genre um much to it i mean it's just it's such a normal a normalized thing 
which is, I mean, from you know, a sociological point of view is quite interesting when you have so much about like, when there's so much machismo in it, when there's so much about like emphasizing personality and emphasizing who is worthy of what credit, the fact that you have people actively seeking out people to work with them is kind of, uh, it's, it's very interesting. I'm sure that's somebody's PhD thesis in there. Oh, I'm sure there's many. There yeah. Might be, yeah. No, it is, I think it is, Again, from that point of view, like the, yeah. one of the most interesting, or the most interesting genre from that point of view in terms of how that works, and I mean, mm. the most sort of contemporary from that point of view. I mean, mm. you know. Going back <laughs> to the Grammys, though, did you see the Gaga tribute to Bowie? I honestly haven't. You haven't? I okay. haven't. Can you... Um, it was... Have I missed out? Um, I mean, you haven't seen Depressive Development, so you know, don't give me shit. <laughs> <laughs> you know who's really missing out here? yeah but it, no, tell me about it yeah it well it was i mean i think where it went wrong was that it was a medley it was a nine oh. minute medley of his now granted it was a nine minute medley that did include nile rogers so oh, okay. points there and the thing is like gaga was absolutely i think the perfect person to do it because she um, i mean i've thought of her for years as the heir apparent to bowie like She's mm. so clearly cut from the same cloth as him, and she's so clearly inspired by him that it, it made perfect sense. And she also quite plainly had, you know, she has the voice, she has the uh, uh, musical capability to do it, but it's really just where she went wrong was that it was a medley. And I'm sure mm. that was the Grammys producers more so than anyone else who, uh, yeah. who um, pushed that on her. And I hate to say, compare it to uh, the Lord tribute at the mm. Brits, which originally was not supposed to be Lord. It was actually rumored that it was going to be a super group involving Coldplay amongst oh, others. So we were spared that at least. Yeah, and I'm fairly certain what happened was that the Brits producers saw the reaction to Gaga and said, no, we should not do that. Mm. I'm, I'm very much convinced that that was why. Did you see the Lord one? Again, no. Okay, that one is actually quite worth... That one is absolutely worth seeing. Um, It's actually... They got uh, Bowie's backing band from his last tour uh, to play, and they did a much shorter instrumental-only medley of his songs. Like, quick cuts here and there, um, with images of him like you know, rolling in the background and then brought out Lord and played Life on Mars and mm. and actually that's what everybody was I heard more than one person saying that really it should have just been Gaga at a piano playing Life on Mars because yeah. that would have been so perfect and I'm I would guarantee that what happened was the Brit producers saw the reaction to the Gaga uh, medley and said, Okay, scrap that. Who did Bowie like? He liked Lord. Let's get her <laughs> like, Yeah, I don't know. The thing about Gaga is she, I mean, a I just don't like her music. But it, it's more like I see the sort of Bowie side, but I feel like she also at some point decided that like she was 
she needed to establish some authenticity, so she had to go and, you know, do her, like, Tony Bennett things, and, like, that was guys, I can of... really sing, yeah. which I feel is very non-bio, like, I feel like she should have... Yeah. If you'd ever, I mean, I've seen her in concert, um... Like, like we all she... knew she could sing, like, Yeah, she didn't need she's... to prove it to anyone. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, is if you've ever seen her live with or without Tony Bennett, like... She, that is, you know, it's, you know, the over-the-top stage show, but then she will sit down at her piano and mm. just belt out a couple songs, and that alone could blow you away. Um, and I, th- but I think that probably more than anything, I could see that as being a couple things. One, she's a girl from New Jersey. Of course she did duets with Tony Bennett if she could. <laughs> like, that, yeah, there's... Yeah, fair enough. You know, it's like, I guarantee you... That for any girl who grew up in New Jersey, it doesn't matter how many millions of records you sold, the moment your parents said, yeah, good on you, is when you sing with Tony Bennett. Mm. Um, and I also think it's probably a bit of burnout that, you know, it was a much lower key project with touring commitments, but less involved touring commitments. But I mean, that... also because I, I feel like her album sales de- decreased quite a bit didn't like i feel like interesting gaga decreased quite a bit after well the i mean that album. that was probably always going to be the way though i mean if you look at pop if you look at pop artists i mean we're still talking she sold millions of records yeah pop like but that's what's going to happen if you are it's really one of those things she's just one of those artists that she's she's a fucking weirdo but she's a fucking weirdo who managed to tap into certain mainstream sensibilities but mm. as long as you're still going with you know your artistic sensibility then that's not always going to align she's still she's the same fucking weirdo that she was yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's you know it and i think that which is very bowie that everybody to hear people talk now about how you know, the pre-Ziggy albums were received and then everything between pretty much, you know, Station to Station and Let's Dance was perceived. It sort of was this idea of like, you know, oh, you know, we all look back and say, yeah, of course Bowie was famous. You know, oh, Low is an amazing record. But in terms of popular culture, the perceptions weren't the same there. Yeah, but uh, I think... I've yet to come across, like, the forward-thinking Lady Gaga. I mean, she always seems to be... There's also always a bit of a nostalgic thing, like, even her poppiest records seem to be, like, sort of recycled Eurotrash from ten a decade earlier. I mean... Mm, but that's the, the, very... The message might, is yeah. different, but... The, the message is different, and even, like, I mean, you have to remember... Euro trash to Americans is still. <laughs> oh my God! Why do you? I always feel like America really doesn't we understand Europe. Are, like you don't. like the worst shit of about course. Europe. Of Euro- course, we like Cadbury's chocolates. You guys are just come on, come on. You killed your European son. You spit on those under twenty-one. But now your blue cars are gone. You better sit so long. Hey, hey, bye, bye, bye. Anyway, well, that's just a couple of things. Uh, so we've got a few upcoming gigs that we'd like. We mentioned Sister Nancy on the 6th. Uh, Dead Prez are also playing at Lopin on the 9th, which mm-hmm. should be very interesting. Yeah. And um, are there any others? There's, uh, I know Baroness. 
That's at the end of the month. It's playing at Vega, yeah, thirty first. Thirty first. That should be a good one. Yeah. Could be very interesting. Have you had? Have you listened to the new album? Um, I haven't heard the new album yet. No. Is it? Is it purple? Is that what it's called? Yeah. yeah. But uh, they've they've done some interesting things over the years, so I'm imagining that could be really worth it. Yeah. And uh, let's should we wrap it up there for uh, this month? Yes. We'll see if we have the mitigating Morton back with us. Oh, I hope so. I hope so. He makes. <laughs> He makes us laugh quite a lot. We, uh, I have to cut half of this audio most of the time because it's mostly just me laughing at Morton's reactions <laughs> to things. So, uh, see you soon, Morton. And see you soon, everybody. <laughs> Peace out. We still love Kanye, and I love you like Kanye loves Kanye. 